so in that podcast, I, I like, I get like, I'm triggered, right? I'm clearly triggered. I'm like upset because it bothers me. I think that these Christians are giving Christians a bad name. I feel like they're misrepresenting Jesus. Like they're, they come across as crazy lunatics. And it's, it's no wonder to me that people think Christians are loony, right? When you, when you start looking at how they're behaving, how these people are carrying themselves in public and embarrassing themselves and other people and like, they're like, oh, we saved someone today. And I'm like, no, you. the only person that got saved is the person got saved from you. <laughs> like, they saved themselves from you. Like, yeah, so I accept Jesus. Get out of my face. And I don't, I don't think it happens like that. I don't think that Jesus... I don't think that Jesus... I think that he can, but I don't think for the most part that, that that's how like people get saved. Are we rolling right now? I'm always rolling. I okay. just want to... So, I don't know, man. I think, like, I have a, a really good friend who's I've known for 30 plus years who is an evangelist. And it just comes, it just comes naturally to him. But a lot of people are turned off by him. But a lot of people have come to Christ through him. And a lot of people, and I mean, he's the pure definition of an evangelist. And it just comes naturally. But he is always, always talking about Jesus and the gospel to people always. Yeah. So, you know, so it's genuine, but it can be off putting. He's not, I mean, he's really this happy go lucky guy too. So it's not like he's an unpleasant person to be around, but he says hard things to people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, do you know where you're going? If you die kind of questions, you know? And, so I don't know. I, I think some, you know, I think it's based on who you are. It, you know, if you can be a genuine person with people, it's kind of hard to s- categorize that. So if you were to kind of point it out, like they were, you know, I, I think part of, I think probably what might, you might be referring to is how people create systems, you know, back in my day, it was like, well, we got all these tracks and we're going to go downtown. And we're going to pass out tracks and we're going to, you know, we're going to meet people on the street and all of that. And, you know, I and I've done my share of that. I've done lots of that, you know, in years gone by. But it was, you know, I mean, it was more for me than it was anything else. Yeah. But it was... Uh, and that's the sense I get. So, like your friend, okay, so he is, so he's an evangelist. Yeah. Would be his, like... Uh, he started several churches and things Be his like ministry, yeah. right? Like he has a gift of evangelism, right? Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, you call it that. I mean, it's more like that's who he is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you look at someone like that and they're, I don't know the guy, I don't know what his like demeanor is, but what I'm talking about is like people like commandeering people on the street, like walking up to them, like just walking up to random people and like, do you know that Jesus loves you? And they're like, like, how, how does that even like, I was approached by these kids. So I, rem- I have a, I remember when I was 12 years old. I was approached by a couple of guys in a park, and they witnessed to me the same thing. Actually, that's happened a couple of times back before I became a Christian. I became a Christian at 20. And they approached me and uh, talked to me about stuff. And I was like, I was with my brother, and my brother just got really indignant and recited the Apostles' Creed to him because we were Catholic. And so it's like, they're like, oh, that's good. And so they chatted and talked. But I just remembered there was something about them, something about these people that just, and I remembered it. And then... You know, you kind of like, you know, you don't have any of those situations again. Then when I became a Christian, it was one of those vivid memories. Like, 
I remember those people now. And, uh, and, and I became a Christian in a group that was very different than they were. And, uh, and it was really, it had an impact on me when I was in the Navy. I, there was a guy I walked into, the, I hung around the chaplain center cause I kind of took myself as a religious person, you know, and, uh, a guy came to me, you know, one of the guys that was on sitting there and, and he just looks up at me and goes, are you saved? No, I'm a Catholic. So I'm like, I hope so. Maybe I think, I don't know what is it. And he says, you can know. And then he, re, you know, gave me the four spiritual laws and then led me in a prayer and said, you're saved. And, uh, I was relating this to my mom not too long ago. And I said, so I called my mom right after and I said, Hey mom, I'm going to heaven. And, and she goes, <laughs> she goes, well, she, thank God. She was, well, she was like, she was a believer and she'd been praying for me, but she was like, she thought I was high. She thought, Oh yeah, you die. You're, what are you doing? What drugs are you doing and stuff? And, so, I mean, and then, you know, and so I went back to the guy afterwards and I said, so what should I do now? And he said, you should read the book of Romans. So I went back to my room and got high and read the book of Romans. And it was really cool when you were like smoking pot and read the book of Romans. <laughs> but it wasn't that encounter with Jesus that was caused the new birth, but it's still part of my story. I still look yeah. at it and go, you know, I'm glad the guy did that. I mean, it, I don't know what how it actually changed how I saw the world, but you know, I just you know, so I don't I I, and I've done that before. I've walked up to people like I've walked up to people and done really stupid things. Like I'm going to be prophetic here, and I and you know, I like so I was like I'd pray in tongues for like so long, and then we'd go out and witnessing and go out to the beach because this was back in again when I first became a Christian. We were in. Um, Florida on the beach there and we go on the beach and witness to people and I would just walk up right to people and say stupid things like I really think you must have had a dream today and God's in your life and I really sense this happening in your life the one guy looked at me and just started laughing he said who the hell do you think you are man this is the stupidest thing so I would I've been just as stupid and dumb as I could but I was genuine I thought yeah. I want to help I want to help people here's the thing if you really do believe what we believe, you're going to try and tell people. Yeah. And people are going to do it in really lame old stupid ways. Yeah. That doesn't, you know, so I just, I think at least you're trying to tell someone. At least you believe enough to where, like, if you care for someone and you know that they this could, this is like, this is everything. This is eternity. Then, you know, find a way to get it to them, even mm -hmm. if you, if it's... So I I agree that you can be really. You can. Quote, why do you think? Why do you think it bothers me so much? Then why why am I why am I triggered by that? Because it's not genuine, and I you know and I think you know, hey, this is the truth project. So you genu you value genuineness, right? So it's not. That yeah, like if you went up to someone and and even and I've done it before. I've done the the whole like I've walk up to people and like had prophetic words for them and stuff and. But it's always done in, without an agenda, like, like, as best I, I as best I can say. Your agenda so, might be so, to help them. So I may go up to them and say, hey, listen, I know that uh, I don't know you, but I was wondering if I could like just share something with you really quick. Would that be okay with you? You know, it's like going up to someone and asking them if you can pray for them or, or, or praying for someone you ask them. If you can pray for them, if yeah. it's okay, you're, you're, you're invading their space. 
Yeah. You know, and you, you want to be invited in, right? And if you come across as this, like, know-it-all, loudmouth, like, people are going to reject that, right? Like, it's like, whoa, you're in my space. You're in my face. Get out of here. Like, I mean... I just the thing that unless, bothers, the thing that bothers who me you are is if you're the, a know-it-all loudmouth yeah, that's who you the, are then the thing that bothers me I think is when I watch that happen and I see people really being put off and not by the gospel not by the message of Jesus but they're being put off by the personalities sure you know because I think if the gospel is really I think people genuinely have uh, an interest in the spiritual in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Why are we here? Meaning of life. Absolutely. And if you can give them some shred of evidence that they're a part of it and that they, they're important. And then I think that they grab, they can grab onto that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I look at your experience, right? Like you, you were commandeered in a park and, and, and you remember it still, you know, so I think there is this like piece of us that is like, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, it, there's a lot of, lot of you when you're sharing the gospel. Sure. And the problem with the gospel isn't the gospel. No. It's the person sharing, sharing the gospel. gospel. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even look at Jesus, right? I mean, the son of God is like speaking yeah. and preaching and there was people that were put off. People and they didn't like, like him, man. They didn't like him. And well, he were, did things that were pretty off-putting. Yeah, you know, he went so in the temple that. and threw I, all the tables. He put, rubs mud in some guy's eyes. You know, I mean, you know, he'd tell people, you know, we'll go sell everything and come follow. I mean, he was he was pretty off-putting sometimes, yeah. pretty radical. You know, but I mean, and then you got the most perfect person, you know, in all creation, and he's putting people off. So, you know, now you got us who are like, you know, pretty imperfect very imperfect flawed individuals and i'm going to share with you the gospel you know according maybe to after, how i understand it yeah and, and according to how i understand it that's right so maybe my understanding's not that clearly no one understands it perfectly and then you're going to have to you know if you say yeah but look at you and your life's uh my life i mean you know you look at my life and i think golly i mean who'd want to who'd want this dog's breakfast of a life you know based on things that i've done and stuff and so you know i want to be a witness and people could look at me and look how wonderful and splendid and happy my life is and all of that yeah. and that's just ridiculous so but you know the but there's power in the gospel yeah there's inherent power in it yep. is you know roman says it's the power of god unto salvation like it, it, there is literally something magical about the gospel. Yeah, and so you know those guys back in that field who witnessed to me when I was twelve left a seed inside of me. Yeah, and I remembered that seed when it finally came up. So, even though you know, like, so sometimes people sow the seed, and it's like. I'm going to shove the seed down. <laughs> You're going to get this in your spirit and it'll be there. Yeah, that might be how people do. And it's off-putting and it's not productive and it doesn't represent the gospel, but still a seed. What's that scripture that talks about uh, none will say Jesus is Lord or none, none who are 
those who are not saved cannot say Jesus is Lord. Something along those lines. Boy, I don't know that one. Um, you know, Jesus said there's many who will say, Lord, Lord, and I, I'll say, get out of here. I never knew you. I always thought there was a scripture that said, because I know that for myself, like when I, before I got saved, like I didn't like the word Jesus. Yeah. Like I didn't like it. It was a very uncomfortable word. Of course to it say. is. Unless you're going to swear with it. Yeah, you're exactly. Gonna take, we're going to take its power away and we're going to make it a swear exactly. word. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was like this, like if there was no way that I would ever say something like Jesus is Lord. I would never say anything like that. Yeah. That that was not you couldn't force me to say that. And after my born again experience that becomes part of your vocabulary now. It's like as as true to you as your spirit and soul is to you, you know? It's like, the confession that gets you into the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> so you walk up to the door and they look at you, and you gotta go. You can come in; it's free. You got to do one thing, though. What's that? You have to confess Jesus is Lord. Oh man, that's the only way you're gonna get in. You gotta swear allegiance to the King. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now it's like everywhere. Yeah, but of course they're gonna. So no wonder you make you know make it a swear word. But the Scripture says there's no other name under heaven whereby which you be saved. The name of Jesus. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, that's cool. So the whole thing about witnessing and all of that, I mean, I just think anything that, I th I think it has, I, I, it's going to sound really trite, or I just think it's about the gospel. Yeah. It's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. Yeah. The scripture says in Romans, Romans 1. It's the gospel that makes you right with God. It's not the person, you're just the messenger, but, and a very imperfect one at that, oftentimes, but, so now you go back to the methods that people use, yeah, I don't know, it's, yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> we used to have this little place called the Lighthouse downtown, uh, right downtown here in Kelowna, that's where I met Tony, he ran the Lighthouse, he's the evangelist I was telling you about, and um, when we first moved here, I was not... I had, we were taking a year, well, ended up taking a year off from ministry. And so I came and, but I thought, I'll just go down to the lighthouse. So I hung down at the lighthouse like three, four days a week. And I did a Bible study and did stuff like that and got really involved with that. And, uh, you know, and Tony was really big. Okay, let's get tracks out there. We're going to go out and hand out tracks. And I remember like, uh, it just feels awkward to do that. It doesn't feel genuine. But, you know, a couple of times I went out with the groups and did that. But I just found the place where I didn't feel awkward in that, and I just worked in that. Mm -hmm. And people would come in the lighthouse, and I enjoyed sitting down with them and meeting them. And yeah. here's some coffee. I mean, it was the very typical outreach little center, you know. And um, but you know, people came to Christ there. I don't know how many. I think it comes down to your gifting too, right? Like what you're comfortable and where your you know your ability is, right? right. Like your the sort of the Christianese, the anointing of your. But if you're off put by someone that acts and does that, is it you're in one sense taking someone else's offense because you're getting offended for the people that they're going to go talk to. Yeah. And you're like, I'm like, let them make that decision. Maybe they yeah. want someone to come. I talk think to the, them like that. yeah, maybe, you know, and yeah. I think the frustrating thing for me is that I put myself in their shoes 
is is where I is where I identify that. Is, well, particularly that, the kind of guy that you were before you were a Christian. Yeah, like even now, man. Like I, I just think it's offensive. You know, I love I, it when someone does that. Cause I, I, I use. An exact, I act like I'm not saved, and then I, then I just like. I just want to hear where they're coming from, and I want to, and then I try to see. Oh, yeah, see really what you know. I love talking to Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, too. I love it. Yeah, because you know, I think. Well, first of all, think about this. Here's a Jehovah Witness walks up to you. You go there now. They might not be doing it for the purest motivation, but who does? I mean, if you look and evaluate your motivations, is it really true? I mean, is this podcast genuinely, we just want to get the truth to people and we don't want people to look at us and we don't want to. No, there's always just different motivations, right? I think, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's multi-layered for sure. sure. It is. So Jehovah Witness, they're coming to you. They've taken time. They've shown enough care to take whatever time out of their day, Saturday or whatever day they're coming to share with you this very important message. I don't, you know, a lot of Christians, they're like, my whole thing is we close the door and never answer the door and I hide from them. And I think that is like, that's cowardly, number one. But number two, this person has taken time to come and talk to you. Give them the time of day and have a conversation with them. And then if it's going to happen frequently, then take some time and learn really what do they believe and think so that you can hold a meaningful conversation with them. And so that you don't feel triggered and challenged by the fact that they're bringing up scriptures to you that, you know, you're the Christian and you should know your Bible and they seem to know it a lot better than you. So, you know, take some time to learn how to talk to a Jehovah Witness and how they think. And then then you can like, oh, you can see their methods and stuff. So I love those kind of situations. Yeah, yeah they're fun. They're entertaining. I've had I've had Jehovah Witnesses in before and talked with them. And I would I would talk about like, moments when God has spoken to me and God has like come and taken over my my you know just taken over the room and and been speaking to me and moving and and miracles that have happened in my life and you know just sharing God's goodness you know like this like that's actually a really good approach like this living relationship with God and trying to like get that out of them and say so tell me about like you know, has God done, you know, is God doing that for you? And they're like, <gasps> no, cause they don't have, that's not their experience at they're all. They're like, mm, not really understanding what you're talking about. You know, like they think you're loony. <laughs> they do. They do not. They think you are like from another planet. Yeah. This guy is really weird. And like, he's a mystic. Right. And, but I mean, they don't think, they don't think what you're experiencing is real. Yeah. But then, then look at, the, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hypocrisy, right? Like, because it's, it's like, look at who they're following, you know? Well, they have a very mental approach towards the scripture. Yeah. And so, which is a bit of a trap for me because I would, I love having the intellectual banter with them. Yeah. And I know how to kind of unravel their theology. And so, to be honest with you, your story is probably more of a, I mean, there, it doesn't matter who you are and you're going to share who you are with this person. Your story probably has more of an impact on them than mine because I can just unravel what they think and believe. Right. Whereas you come at it with like, who is this guy who's talking about the Holy Spirit spoke to me and did all this stuff and I had this thing. God's and then, love. And, yeah. yeah. So, And I have actually, I've, I've, a couple of them have really sort of, you can see it in their eyes. They're they look like, at you like, 
whoa, like really, like, like curious, like whoa, that's. And I think that that's that's what because they don't because a lot because they don't talk to a lot of that's, Christians. That's that what witnessing should be like. I think for you when you talk to a Jehovah Witness, yeah. When I talk to a Jehovah Witness, that's not going to be what I'm going to do. Yeah. So here's the idea: the gospel is the same gospel, but it's it's in a ret suit. It's delivered in a different. It's, yeah. And so God's big enough that he can have a, a gospel, the gospel according to Rhett. <laughs> the gospel of Rhett. Yeah. The epistles of the book of Greg. The book of Greg. So, <laughs> you know, and so that's, so I think you have to, and so, I mean, we said all this to come back around to this is that you got to be careful. That's funny. You know, you're, I think you're onto something there. <laughs> Well, no, seriously, because think about it. Like you've got the books of the book of Romans that was written by Paul, and and you know you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of these people that have had deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus, and what they're doing is they're testifying and and expanding on their experience with Jesus. The Scripture says that this glory or grandeur is found in earthen vessels. So you're the earthen vessel. And then you have the grandeur of the gospel. Inside. So what is your book saying? <laughs> what does your book say? Right? Well, so, okay. So that's an important Ooh, that's point. That's a good question. Man. Because now is it's how you perceive the gospel is important here. Because if you perceive the gospel as, as well, you know, uh, in, in an incorrect manner, let's just say it like that. If I yeah. perceive the gospel to be, you know, we all have to become Jews again or, or, you know, it's like my friends, the Christian wannabe Jews and they, and you know, I call them Hebrewists and you have to like keep the Shabbat and you have to do the t- commandments as best you can. And you have to do all that stuff. Then that's how you're going to present the gospel. And I think, well, that's not representing what Jesus talked about, what the gospel really is. And so that's why it's really important that we got to get the gospel right. Once you get that right, then however, whoever you are, that's the earthen vessel. And you got to work on that too, because you will, you know, I mean, you will hinder people from coming to the gospel because they're going to look at you and go, yeah, uh-huh, I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Look at that asshole. Sorry. No, that's you fine. Know? So, you know, it's like, so that's a hindrance to it. But then you also have to have the gospel right. So what's the gospel according to Rhett? What's the That's essence? such a that's such a, a personal thing. Like it's It's not personal. It's global. It belongs to the world. The gospel belongs to every man in the world. How you give it is personal. Yeah. Yeah, but there's lots of interpretation. Like, there's lots of people that are... There's lots of Christians out there that are, like, way off base. Yeah, but I've heard you talk about... That. And there's lots of Christians, and I mean way off base on either side. Of course. Like, the, you know, <coughs> on every the alt, side. alt-right, there's the crazy alt-right, and then there's, <laughs> look at the universalists, right? Guys like Rob Bell. Yeah. Right? Everybody's saved. God is just love, and that's right. all he is, and... And it's, you know, you can be a Buddhist, you can be a this, you can be a that, you can do all of these things and you're saved. God is, we're all saved. Every human is saved. 
Yeah, in that category, you almost don't need a gospel. Well, and so... Good news is, you don't have to do anything. So, <laughs> finding the truth in the middle is the journey, I think. I don't know. I I feel like that's a little more... I think that's the quest. Like, if you can understand what that is, that's the... That is the essence of of what I mean. You talk about the essential. Well, no, because we're talking about salvation. Like in this moment, we're talking about salvation. So we're talking about the the Jesus truth, right? Okay. okay? So we're talking about that. So I think that like there's, but the, the Jesus truth is wrapped in in lots of layers. There's lots of things that go along with being saved because. You can say that, oh, I prayed a prayer in a moment. And by a lot of Christian definition, you they would say, oh, you're saved. But are you saved? Are you living for Jesus? Are you living your life with Jesus in your heart and allowing him to guide you and move you through your life? I think that's a big distinction, man. I think there's a lot of Christians out there that think they're saved that... I'm not the judge. I am not like thank saying, yeah, thank God. <laughs> uh, but I also think that, that I see a lot of religious, religiosity. Is that a word? Religiosity it works. That's, that's wrapped up in the guise of the gospel and the gospel. Like if you look at, if you look at, if you if you read the, the Bible, if you read the New Testament and Jesus' life, it's about it's about relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so, I don't think personally, I don't think praying a prayer in your teens or as a child gets you saved. Okay, so if I'm Joe, I'm Joe. Uh, I think it's more than that. I'm Joe guy out there. Have no. No church background. You know, there's lots of people like this now. No church background. You know, I, of course, I guess we're kind of Christian. We live in Canada. We're North Americans. Uh, you know, I kind of believe in those things. Yeah, of course, I think there's a God. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to be my best. I haven't killed anybody. Yeah. I don't know why that always comes up. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm you not, know, I'm not a thief. I'm, I'm not, not a, a, well, I've stolen a few things and I have lied a little bit, but I've never killed anybody. Yeah. And so that's who I am. What are you going to tell me? Like, can I do something about that? Like right now? I mean, you say, you know, you talk about Jesus all the time. Like, I, I think the hardest person to get saved is the person who has a good, comfortable life. Okay. But lead me to Christ. I'm just that Joe guy. I can't tell do me. that. I can't do that. Jesus has to do that. Is there anything that you can share with me that would help me on my path? I, I would ask you like, is, have you been searching for more? Do you uh, yeah. feel do you feel like there's more out there and do you Absolutely. feel like and so I would I would say tell me more about that like what what do you think like have you I think there might be I don't know what's going to happen with life after death I, I'm fascinated about that I but I you know I feel like in myself I'm I don't feel right all the time but yeah. you know I mean what would you tell me to help me with that Can I share my experience with you Sure, of course. Would you be okay with that? Yeah, your experience is great. Yeah. Okay. And then I would go and I would I would tell them my experience and I would tell them what I know about God. What I know about Jesus. What do you know about Jesus that's going to work for me? 
Well, there's lots of things. I mean, he's the he's. You know, there's. I feel like you want me to do that right now. No, no. We, well, it's okay. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. But because, like, I mean, that's. A, I mean, I could go into a 20 minute witness with you, and share my testimony with you. That's where I would share my testimony. That's where I would talk about God's grace and His love and and the grace that wraps me up even today, right? That protects me today. So I would say you can have that. I would say that is freely available to you. God has paid the price for you to have that today. Okay. How do I get and that? And so he invites you into relationship with you. How do I get that? You would ask God, you would ask Jesus to come into your life and and live inside of you, like the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you and make himself real to you. Okay? And 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 I think that that's step 1. That's the first step of the next journey in your life. Absolutely, but that's the big one that sure. gets me into the door. Sure. Like, you believe in being born again. You believe in the new birth. Oh, 100%. So there's a point in your life where you cross that threshold and yeah. you are born again. Yeah. So what gets you to that? What gets me, you across that threshold? Well, I think walking through the door and... and Does the scripture tell you, is there... And does continuing the scripture to define, Does this? Of course. But does the scripture define that door? Does the scripture give you any clues to how to walk through that door? Well, you have to you have to talk to God. You have of course, to, right? You have to. But but just about everybody talks to God. No, I mean, like in a moment, you have to say, "Okay, God, I'm tired of this old life." In right. one moment, you have to say, "I'm tired. I'm I'm through with this." I, I I invite you to come into my heart, if, into my life. If you save me from this drowning moment, then I will serve you the rest of my life. Right. Is that a salvation prayer? Sure. No, it's probably not. No? No. What do you think? Because, again, all right, so, and I'm, you know, I hate to be the guy that just like, okay, I'm going to quote scripture. It, you, there is a, you have to confess, There, you said it earlier, there is a confession of Jesus' lordship in your life. There is a first moment where you say, "Sure, I'm throwing it down, Jesus. Yeah, you are the guy." And it isn't until that moment, and at that moment, when you genuinely are able to do that, yeah, then that is when the transformation takes place. It says, "If you will confess like with your that. mouth, mouth that Jesus is Lord, yeah. and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, so you have to believe something, sure. and you have to say something. Thou shalt be saved." It says. And so it's just that plain. Dude. Now. I like that. It has to be lordship. Yeah, no, I, I like that. So, you know, I always look at it Dude. as, I look at it as like a, as a, in a kingdom or citizenship mentality. You weren't a citizen of the kingdom. How would you become a citizen of the kingdom? So I became a citizen of Canada. And I had to you do pledge so. allegiance to Canada. You well to the Queen. Yeah, to, okay. To you, no, to the yeah, Queen, yeah, okay. dude. To the Queen. She's the the symbolic potentate of Canada. Okay. And I had, and that's a big thing. I'm still a Canadian citizen, and I never pledged that allegiance. No, you were so. born that way. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I chose so. it. Yeah. and you have to swear allegiance to the yeah. Queen and the laws of the realm. Right. That's. I mean, you know, we use different language today, but that's exactly what you're doing. So when you come to the kingdom, you have to swear allegiance to the king, to the Lord, and you promise to abide by the laws of the realm. I think that is by far what you explained to me 
by far the best definition of that I've ever heard of being saved. Okay, cool. That you I should listen to more of my sermons. <laughs> that you you pledge allegiance to Jesus as your Lord. Right. And what was the other part that you uh, believe in your heart? You believe so. You believe that in your life, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right. And you can't just believe anything. You have to believe a specific thing. That God raised him from, from the, the dead, dead. Okay. which has an implication to it. Jesus was dead. Why was he dead? He was dead because he became you on that cross and identified with all your sin. Right. So he took your crap. So by believing he raised from the dead means that your crap, that wretch crap, is gone. So you have to, you're not going to understand all that, but you have to believe he, you know, we say he died for my sins and he rose again. In another place, the scripture actually just says, this is the gospel, that Jesus died and was buried and raised again. I mean, it actually says this in Corinthians. Yeah. This is the gospel. Yeah. Okay, so what that says to me is that, because there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a significant process between walking through the door, inviting Jesus into your heart, right? okay, and getting to that place getting to the door no or after the door no i think that you walk through the door first i think that you invite jesus into your heart into your life yeah you you make a choice to say okay god i'm willing to experience you and and invite you into my life to come and do whatever it is you do and it doesn't have to be in those words it can be like god please help okay help me. yeah i agree but let me just say one thing let me just catch it. it's not an inviting in I'm not inviting... When I came to Canada, I did not invite the queen into my heart. In fact, I confessed my allegiance to the queen and she let me come in. Okay, so... No, because I want to... I really want to like clarify this because I... The scripture's clear that Jesus is knocking at the door. Yeah, okay? that's, that's for the Christian... And, and you don't let... Just hang on. You don't let the stranger who's knocking on your door come in and and live in your house okay. without getting to know them. There's one example in the scripture once where Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Do you know the context of that? I do not. It's in Revelations. He is knocking on the door of the Christian church that, that John is talking to. We use that oftentimes as a metaphor for salvation. You know, so it has certain, no, that has nothing to do with salvation? I'm not going to say it has nothing to do. The idea that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart is a great idea. But never in Scripture does it tell you to invite Jesus into your heart. Okay, so... And not that he's, he's going to come in. All that's true, but yeah. that's not how... You don't get in by inviting Jesus into your heart. So here's the reason why this is mildly important. This is important because someone comes and they says, I invited Jesus in my heart and my life didn't change that much. And, you know, because inviting Jesus in your heart is not, and I hate using this word, the formula or the way that you enter the kingdom. Yeah. You no, I agree with that. You enter the kingdom by confessing lordship. I agree with that. I, I'm agreeing with you 100%. Right. I know. I know. So the point is, we always use the entrance into the kingdom, the new birth, as inviting Jesus into your heart. We say that all the time. I and I just say, yeah, I mean, of course he came into your life. I mean, he says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to live inside of you. And the Father and the Holy Spirit, we're all going to move in. But that's not, you know. So your the, moment of salvation. That's right. I, yeah, great, you're going to move in. But before we do that, you, you've got to settle something. You've got to become a citizen of, 
of my kingdom. Yeah, see, I dis- I, I would disagree with you that only through my own experience. That, that there was a moment where I had given up and I was through with my way and the way I was living my life. And I said, I sent up this like Hail Mary prayer and I said, God, if you're real, you can have me. Okay, it was it was one moment. It was one moment that I just, hang on, just That's let me finish this. If you want me, you can have me. I... I would not have confessed Jesus as Lord, my Savior, has risen from the dead five minutes after that conversation. I would not have confessed that a week after that. I would probably even up to, I had a very radical experience. It was very like radical. And so it wasn't shortly after that that I, I was able to say that. But I think that for a lot of people, that that process is a lot longer that there's there's a there's a there's a and so i think that like there's i think there's a point where where people have to open themselves to to that possibility absolutely and we've and as christians we've we've uh taken that experience and put a new meaning to it, I think. Like, like, oh, that's my moment of salvation. Right. And, and I just don't see that. Like, I don't... That doesn't resonate as truth in my heart. What you just said to me resonates as truth in my heart. That when you are able to confess Jesus as Lord, that he had died and was risen from the dead, that is a moment of salvation. Now, now when you can say that. Yeah, now it sounds really formulaic. And so that's that's part of the problem, right? So, so I never... I didn't... When I became... Well, I remember the point where I believe I was born again was not where I said, Jesus, you're my Lord. But like you, I came to a point where I was tired of my own way. So that's a key. And I was willing to embrace his way. Yeah. That's what lordship is, right? Sure. So it's the essence of lordship. And only God knows in your heart if you are laying down your life for something else. And I went outside. It was at this charismatic prayer meeting, charismatic um, Catholic charismatic prayer meeting. And it was just the strangest thing compared to what we do today. I mean, they just would sing songs and then go up to the mic and someone would share, you know, and then, you know, and they'd prophesy or do whatever. Or they'd just share something and then they go sit down. Well, it seemed like the whole meeting spoke to me. So I, after the meeting, I went, you know, and then they started singing in tongues. I thought, oh, that's interesting. It didn't freak me out or anything. But then I went outside and I went in the alley and I'm having a smoke and I remember praying this prayer. Man, Jesus, I need you. I want something else. Just take away my doubts. Hmm. That was my salvation prayer. It wasn't mm-hmm. formulaic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was me in my heart saying, Jesus, be my Lord. God knows when you're doing that. Yeah. So it's not a formula. So, you know, now I had actually prayed the Jesus is my Lord prayer a year and a half before that when I ran into that guy at the chaplain center. Yeah. And he came and he gave me the formulaic four spiritual laws. And here it is. Da, 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 and pray this prayer. Now you're saved. Go ahead. You're going to heaven. You know, and I went and called my mom. That was formulaic. That didn't do it. But it was still a piece to my story and a part of, you know, maybe the seed was there. I don't know. But it was when I was in that strange Catholic charismatic meeting. And I just prayed genuinely from my heart to Jesus and laid it down. Just take away my doubts. And what I was saying was, I want to follow you. I just, I have so much doubt. And the first thing that happened, so then the scripture says this, it says that the Holy Spirit will confirm 
that you're a child of God. So that's part of the process. Like I can do a thing on on four ways you know that you're saved. One of them is, is that the Holy Spirit bears witness. And I remember walking back into that meeting, and my brother had a friend, and he was this um, was this hippie guy who lived out in the desert. This is in Tucson. And he was just like, a you know, my brother just thought he was the greatest thing in the world. He was a prophet, you know. Who you know, like a John the Baptist type guy, and he would come to this meeting, coming in, in burlap, was, and yeah, he was just locusts hanging out of his mouth. I mean, he didn't dress like that; he smelled like that. But he was that was who he was. And my brother just thought he would, you know, my brother was the one who was praying for me and brought me to the meeting. And he's like, "Oh, when you meet Paul, he's like a holy guy," you know. And that's exactly how Kenny said it. And then he's like, he comes up to me and he's like, he's got his eyes closed, and I'm like, oh, "This is something, you know, this is the guy." And he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he's not even looking at me. And he's just, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh, I just had a cigarette. I must have done something wrong, you know. And he and he just shakes his head, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I see Jesus in you. He's not looking at me. Doesn't know me for Adam. And he just says, I see Jesus in you. And I went, you do? And he goes, yeah, I sure do. And then he walks off. <laughs> like, it was really like you encountered a prophet. And at that point, I Jesus took away my doubts and I knew confirmed by the Holy Spirit that I was that I was different that yeah, something had changed. That's cool. So, you know, the whole formulaic thing as much as I believe and understand what it means, my experience doesn't have the formula in it. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I mean No, mine either. But and I don't think very few people do. Yeah. But regardless, the elements of the confession of Jesus as Lord and the believing in your heart that he has done something for you and mm-hmm. solved it, right. that is the essence of the gospel. Yeah. And so now let's go back to your friends who like to go out and hand out tracts, which are very explicit and very formulaic. But, you know, it can actually, you know, it's like the Baptist guy that prayed with me a year and a half before in the chaplain center. Did that, did I get saved? No. But did it, did, did I encounter something? Yeah, I did. Those two guys, when I was 12, who witnessed to me, they must have done something because as soon as I start to now walk with the Lord and get saved, they come back to me. I'm now, I remembered that. And then the, uh, the most important thing was the presence that I started to feel in my life was the same presence that I experienced when I was a child. Right. You know, when I was like my first Holy Communion as a Catholic was a very God moment for me. Yeah, very spiritual. But then, you know, (laughs) things happen and you change right after that. And and my real nature started to emerge. And, you know, I left all that. And so but I remembered that presence. You know, it's that, you know, and I've never forgot that moment where I, I can see myself. I used to serve as an altar boy in the Catholic church and, um, I can remember, I don't like, I don't remember the specific moments, but I remember it's, it's, it's like a memory thing. So you, you picture yourself back sitting in a pew, for instance, and you sense this presence, Yeah, this like, it wasn't because something was said. It wasn't because you ate something or did something, but it was this like enveloping presence of peace. And you're like, whoa, there's yeah. something going on here. Something here. As like a young boy, like yeah. there's something here. 
and that's the same same feeling and sense that that I have when I experience Jesus today. It's awesome. You know? So I used to teach civics in our Christian school in my Bible class, and I would say, "You are a citizen. Civics is about citizenship of two nations." You're first a citizen of heaven if you've confessed, if you've entered into this. And you're a citizen of heaven first. And then if you live in a place, God has you in a place that allows you to continue as a Christian and be a citizen in the country that you are, then, you know, thank God and participate as much as you feel you should. And so that's a secondary kind of lower level citizenship. It's not that big a deal, but, you know, and I've had the privilege of, being born in the United States and then immigrating to Canada. And so I, you know, so I'm a citizen now of both, both those countries. nations. Yeah. But, you know, that message, when I bring that message and I start talking to my American friends, that is, that's, that, that's hard for them to swallow. Because they're American first. They, America. Christians won't say that necessarily, but they mix up their patriotism and their Christianity and their oh, Christianity yeah. is all oh, jumbled yeah. up in there. Oh yeah, and it's all poli- it's all political. Yeah. And, oh yeah, yeah. And God's working through yeah. the government and this and that. And yeah, God's behind all the scenes. So I don't want to argue with that, except to say that if you were a Palestinian, you could say the same thing. I'm a citizen of I'm a citizen of of Gaza. I was born in Gaza Strip, and I'm a Palestinian. And so I'm a citizen there, but I'm, uh, you know, here's an interesting fact. There are way more Christians in, in, uh, in the uh, Palestinian state than there are in Israel. Way more. Really? Yes. And so, yeah, because most of the Israelis are just Jews, right? They're they're like, the percentage like, of actual Christians yeah, in, in Israel yeah. is very small yeah. as compared to the percentage of Palestinians who are Christians. Yeah. So you're a Palestinian. And you're like, oh, but I'm first a Christian. But I also, you know, God has me in Palestine, so I'm going to do what I can to be faithful to my Palestinian government and all of that. That's my secondary citizenship. So that does not fit in a lot of people's worldview. Because they don't understand that coming into the kingdom is truly a rejection of your former citizenship in life and whatever you are. And now you're embracing the lordship of Jesus. He is now your potentate and your king and all of that. So all this stuff about how God is, you know, working in the government, all that is just a bunch of hooey in the sense that, yes, of course, God is doing all this stuff and he's, his hand is everywhere and he's doing things. But I just think we just get so mixed up in our patriotism and our Christianity. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we then take our responsibility for our country as a divine calling, I had a, I had a, I had a friend of mine who once said, uh, I had a conversation with her, and she's very, I really respect this girl. She's this woman. She's um, she's a leader at the the church that I was going to, and um, just to really helped me like experience more of Jesus in my walk, opened my eyes a bit, so to speak. And she talked about Jesus' political affiliations. <laughs> <laughs> she said if Jesus was into politics, 
if he had to align himself with any sort of political view, it would probably be socialism. And, and, and what is the antithesis of a Christian political view is socialism. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's a, that it's hard to try. It would be really hard to pull that off. What is Jesus' political view? You couldn't, well, you can't, but if you look at his behavior, if you look at the way that he lived his life and that he expected his followers to live their lives, to die to themselves, to give up their possessions, to like, to be one, you know, to have, to live in community. I mean, it's, it's kind of a socialist picture if you think of it, right? Like it's definitely living under the Lordship of Jesus, right? Like it's. It's Definitely kind of a, goes under a liberal category that we would have today. Sure. But Jesus was enormously liberal. Like Jesus wasn't a staunch conservative. He wasn't an alt-right conservative no. that was like pro-guns and pro... The nature of conservatism is to conserve. It's to save. It's to, it's to, it's to defend yeah. from change. We're going to conserve this. And so we're not going to... We're going to hold to what we used to have and so conservatives will often talk about the you know you know back when we had good values and conservative ruling and now it's just the world is just changed and it's just attacking our values right whereas liberals are always talking about so conservatives talk about the past we're trying to preserve or conserve the past liberals talk about the future liberals are always talking about the future because they're like they're like, we can make this change and we can think of a different future and we can have a different life. And if we do this, we, if we liberalize this, if we free this, liberal, liberal, liberalism means to free. If we free this, we'll free a different future. Yeah, I think Jesus is kind of a liberal. <laughs> I, would, I would agree with you 100%. I'm going to name this podcast, Jesus is a Socialist. <laughs> I don't know if I would say it's a socialist. So that's a liberal stripe that fits with it, but... You know, I, I had this friend and he was like... It's kind of clickbait. I'm going to... It is clickbait. <laughs> I had this Jesus, friend... Jesus was a socialist. Yeah. Well, Jesus was a feminist. Yeah. Jesus was the first magnificent feminist there ever was. Yeah. He I'm was not perfect. the first. He was perfect. Well, here's the thing. He put women at a place of equality with men. Yeah. Like, who does that? Yeah. You so know? do you think do you think women should have the exact same opportunities for leadership in the church that men do oh man just yeah that's a huge let's switch the topic here let me go back to that i was having so much fun with the other thing sure so so jesus is is this little so i was going to tell you the story this friend of mine uh was uh he was he's canadian and he was on the promise keepers uh this is back in the 90s when they had i don't know what that is so. so promise keepers was this big huge move most of your listeners most of your listeners, right, will know will know who they who the promise keepers were, and this was this thing where it was throughout the whole church where these guys would have this set of promises, and then they would meet on Saturday morning, and they would um, have a like this group meeting, and they would go over the promises, and they would like really good promises too, like I sure. promise to support my family and be faithful to my wife, and I promise to to support the church and all these things it was very good stuff, and so he went on the promise keepers message board back then that's the way they did it you know and so you'd go on this message board and it was just a and so he he um he goes on there and he says you know um i'm totally for this and this he says i'm not that up on 
uh, I'm not that against gun control. I think we should actually do some things with guns. Remember, he's Canadian, right? And he's he's, and this was in the '90s, which we didn't have as much control, but it was all in the conversation. And he got total freak out on him on this message board, and they were About like gun control because he is a Christian. And how come you're bringing this stuff in? Eventually, the Promise Keepers people had to ask him to leave the forum because it was just too disruptive because he raised gun control. So I think now what, whatever you okay, think so about were, gun- they, were they upset about were they upset about that he was like pro guns or anti guns? No, he's, he want no he wasn't pro or anti. He was just we we should control the guns. Who gets the guns? We should control that. We should have a lot more controls in place. And so the thing was is that all the, quote, Christians, conservatives, pounced on him. Oh, I see, because they didn't... Oh, so it was a gun this, control issue. It, it was, wasn't like... No, and he wasn't even that argumentative. He was yeah, just trying to make a point that, you know, as Christians... And, you know, the same thing happened... Don't change our gun laws and yeah, our gun Exactly. Laws. That, We're that, Christian. Yeah. We, you know, and I think, as if you're going to be... A Christian in the, a conservative Christian in the United States who votes Republican, look what you have to put your name on. Yeah, you know, uh, wow. unfettered guns. Wow, no health care, no health care as we can see it. Whereas I'm living in Canada, and I'm a huge recipient of socialized you're, medicine. You're putting, you're putting your, you're signing your name to to make America great again. Yeah, and so right? Well, it's a lovely phrase. And so you put your name on, you know, on forced you know, you know building gigantic walls around the country to keep people out you know all those kind of things are things that you sign your name on yeah as a conservative which i think are very different from a christian worldview yeah and christian values yeah christian value is to embrace the refugee right the christian values is not i mean the whole gun thing's kind of a red herring but certainly Hey, we need to help people with medicine and what we should be able to give to the poor, that and all that. So very liberal thinking in terms of being a Christian. But because here's the thing, and I struggle with this, too, because conservatives are also for the right to life, you know, when it comes to the abortion issue. You know, um, wow, gosh, you know, and pro family values and all of that. Um, Boy, I have to now identify as a, you know, with all these other things. And it's just, it's a very gray area. So come back to this point. It's a citizenship issue. So our participation in the world today is as citizens of another realm. We're aliens, really. I mean, think about it. You're an alien in this planet. You, and you sound very alien, like to those Jehovah Witnesses. You, you were like, who is this? This well, guy if there's is... any non, I can't imagine there's many non-Christian listeners, but like this podcast is very. I mean, I might as well be talking Chinese. You're alien, man. What you know? You talk about the Holy Spirit, and so it's like, do you ever do you ever see that show, uh, Third Rock from the Sun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. I love I like that, that show. Yeah, I like and that so they would go like, it's time we gotta we gotta. It's time for us to talk to the big head. And so they would go and they'd. Like they would get and they'd have these inner kind of this guy that one prophet would have this inner experience and would hear the big head inside him and he would give him a message from another realm and all that stuff would go on. Well, you think about it, that's kind of your experience. You talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like you have this this invisible voice from another realm. Yeah, he's my imaginary friend. 
not imaginary. I know he's not imaginary, but that's why I have you some have friends that would call. Vo- you are talking to this inner voice on the inside of you. I mean, think about the Christian experience. Just give me, indulge me for oh, a minute. Oh, yeah, dude. Indulge me for a minute. Someone comes along. These guys in the park, in my case, they came and they sowed the seed inside of me. And how did the seed get in you? They just said these words, and these 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 words came into me, and these spores of noise came inside of me, and it came into my spirit. Um, there was a show that was on for the long time. I forget the name of it. And the way that it transferred the alien message was through a sound. This sound comes into you. These words. And it's these are was that V? It was kind of like V. I think it was. Yeah, remember and, that show V? I know, dude, man, that show used to freak me. And out, there's man. spores. You peel their face off, and they're these like creepy aliens. I think that was it. <laughs> anyway, these spores come inside of you. Spores. You yeah. literally have received alien spores inside of you because you listened to these guys from this other realm, and they spoke these. And these spores came inside of you, and the spores start to germinate. Yeah. In my case, it took you know twelve and took eight years, but yeah. finally. This moment came and the spores exploded inside of me. And I was willing to make a commitment to the invisible king in another realm. And so I talked to him. I closed my eyes and I, I said, Jesus, you're my, you know, this invisible king in another realm. Take away my doubts. And the spores just started to just open up inside of me. Yeah. Literally, that's exactly what the word of God says happens to you. You are born again by the word, that, by the seed of the word. The spores, I love the word spores. Yeah. The spores of the word just go. They explode inside of you. And all of a sudden you start to, from the inside out, get completely restructured and rebuilt on the inside out. And now what happens is you have those spores in you that you can actually share with someone. So you go out there and you share with someone else and those spores come out of you. Mm-hmm. And and if they'll listen, they go inside of them. Yeah. And you've sowed those spores yep. into their lives. And they're spores from another realm. And so what do you do? You 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 serve this this alien king, because he's not of this world. This what do they king. say? They will know by the they will know by your testimony. By the word of your testimony. The, by the word of your testimony, right? Yeah, they'll well n- no, they'll um you're mixing up a couple of scriptures there, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I... So these spores go inside of them. And it starts to do the same thing. Now, a lot of times they just completely reject it and pull and throw those spores out. That yeah. happens. Yeah. But I think, you know, so you're now... Well, that comes back to the scripture of the the soils. That's right. Right? So the hard soil, the weedy soil, the, the, the fertile ground. The sower sows yes. the spores. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so that's really your experience. And these are alien spores. You serve an alien king, and you're walking around the midst of all these people around here. You're working with them. You're going to these places. You're talking to them all the time. And you're literally an alien from another realm living among them. And and you're in you know and it's invisible to them but you're I'll talk about it yeah I'm I'm from from, from another world and, well I might as it would be the the, the same the comparison would be that uh, okay that I I believe in the flat earth theory so strongly that I've created a podcast to discuss it <laughs> and now I'm like this guy that thinks this that 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 the earth is flat and now I want to talk about it and discover truth about it 
And when the whole world just would hear this and think that I'm just a lunatic, I'm a crazy guy. Which you are. I'm only using that as an example. Well, I have right? a friend because, who's that. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I know that. I know that. I know there's people out there that... that but you're that, right. You're from another... It would be what I would... Th- it would be how I, as a Christian, would perceive a flat earth person. Would would be right. how someone from the earth would perceive, or someone who would, someone who doesn't believe in God, who would be a staunch atheist, um, would believe, would feel about me as right as a as a born again. So your alien king has commissioned you. Yeah, the alien king has sent. He's kept you here, and commissioned you to spread the spores. Just, and he wants you also to undermine. Man, you like sci-fi movies, don't you? Oh, I love them. And to undermine, and to undermine the present system with his and how do you do that you do that with spreading spores because then you get more and more people like you and by by loving yeah so you how do you you know so he wants you to undermine because the alien principles work very differently than the principles of this world so but the good thing about it is the principles of this world they don't care about your principles so that's good we can love we can share we can heal we can do that, and if we do that, then people will find us interesting, and we'll be able to give them more spores. And then we'll just everywhere we go, we're just gonna just go. Oh, here's some here, have some of these seeds yeah, inside yeah, of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That's that's our whole story right there. And so, getting involved in this world in a way that you know you get involved in the causes and the efforts of this world oftentimes are counterproductive to our mission from our alien king and we have to be faithful to our invisible alien king yeah it i mean you could even say that you could even say that well because we believe that god created the earth he created all of us he created everything that's in the in the universe yeah that the aliens are actually the people that don't believe you could absolutely but they're. But in, I, I, I get your analogy. They're in like power. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, even yeah. an analogy. It's yeah, re, it's the yeah. real way of thinking yeah, of it. Yeah. They're in power right now. Yeah. You know because our ancestors turned power over to, to his arch enemy, and so because of that, they're in power now, and so this world is really their world, and the and 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 our king's enemy is even called the god of this world, and so we. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, in, in the long run, this is all his world. In the long run, they're all his children. Yeah. Like, come on. You know. So it's, uh, yeah. But, but because we are, we've been ousted for so long. We're the aliens. What the hell's wrong with that? I mean, that's what that that's a bad picture. We're the aliens because we embrace the Creator, but in fact, we are in this world. Yeah. But you know what our so however coming back to that first point you made, however we spread those spores, get after it, baby. Spread those spores. Cause that is the real thing that is gonna change over eternity. That's interesting. That's how I think of evangelism. <laughs> yeah. Jesus was a socialist. 